0: Welcome to another episode of the Winning Gold Talk podcast, take two. After some Wi-Fi issues yesterday, we tried to record this on Friday, but today is Saturday. Um, there seems to be a, a varmint problem in uh, in Bayville, Ohio. That's <laughs> it's causing some issues with Chris's Wi-Fi. Damn squirrels chewing up the chewing up the 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 cables and causing all kinds of havoc. And then there was all that rain this weekend, so. Um, hopefully we can get you this podcast in one piece. Um, I'm not blaming Chris at all. I get it. Wi-Fi issues happen. It's it's you know it is what it is. Um, that being said, welcome to another ed- edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm your host, Aiden Grove, joined as always by Chris Fedor. And Chris, we did this yesterday, but we did the first segment yesterday, then everything went awry. So the Cavaliers, over the last couple of weeks, have won their first summer league title um, ever as an organization, Mm -hmm. Uh, the help of Imani Bates, Isaiah Mobley, Sam Merrill and the gang. Um, What exactly does that mean? What does that mean for the Cavaliers? What does it mean for the development of that team? Um, Should we take, should we take something from it? Should we leave it alone? Should we just, you know, see it as kind of a standalone thing or should we be like, okay, these guys, we may have more of a future than we thought here.
1: I think more a standalone thing. They had a really good 10 days. They played really, really well out in Vegas. They went undefeated. Um, And I think the thing that stood out to me is just, you know, part of the reason why they brought the guys that they did um, was to help some of the young guys acclimate a little bit better. The last thing that you want to do, Hayden, is get into a situation where you're going to summer league and all you have is rookies on the team and they don't know how to play or guys that just don't have NBA experience or high level G League experience because then I don't think you gain anything from it because nobody's playing the right way. Nobody's creating shots for one another and you're just out there hooping. You know what I mean? Um, And I think the fact that the Cavs brought Sam Merrill, somebody who's played a number of games in the NBA, who is very, very experienced in the G league. You saw that level of comfort. You saw that level of experience. You saw that level of understanding of how to play in that kind of environment. Um, And that helped Damani Bates, and that helped Craig Porter Jr., the two young rookies that the Cavs brought there as well. Um, So I like the fact that the Cavs saw some value in bringing Sam Merrill, in bringing Shabrief Cooper to run the offense. It was his third summer league. In bringing Isaiah Mobley, who was third-team All-G League, who also played a little bit for the Cavs at the end of the regular season in the NBA. You just saw a different level of maturity from the team. You saw a different level of experience from the team, and that took pressure off of Craig Porter Jr. and Amani Bates. Craig Porter Jr. didn't have to start early on in the summer league, right? He could work his way into the games. He could play behind Sharif Cooper, and then when he got the opportunity, when Sharif went down with injury, then Craig Porter Jr. stepped in. His responsibilities grew. His role became bigger. And he was still able to thrive. But I think the fact that the Cavs brought the experienced, advanced players from a summer league perspective um, really, really helped. And it it showed itself as they continued to go throughout the course of the tournament. But, you know, the, the, the players are going to celebrate. They should celebrate. It was a really, really good week and a half for them. They got championship rings. I don't think they're going to hang a banner in the practice facility or anything along those lines, but they're competitors. And they went to Las Vegas to try and win this thing. And they went out and they they did what they had to do in order to win the tournament. And I think they should celebrate it because anytime you're a competitor and you win something, it's worth celebrating.
0: I think the most um, obvious kind of Question and 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 player that we that we're going to talk about in regards to the summer league is Amani Bates, um, you know a, a second round pick with maybe first round potential, um, in the future and potentially will you know probably won't see the rotation for the Cavaliers this year, but um or maybe even the floor for the Cavaliers this year, but will certainly you know be in their plans if he continues to play well. I mean, he played well in the summer league. What does that mean for his development? Just to have a a, a summer league title under his under his belt, you know, hasn't won since Memphis or hasn't won really since before Memphis um, uh, and for a while now. So, I mean, probably a great feeling for him and maybe really a great start to maybe his turning or corner turning moment.
1: Well, the thing that stood out to me is um, on the heels of what he said about being happy, about being out of the spotlight, about not having pressure, about not having to live up to expectations because he was a second-round pick. He wasn't the first overall pick. He wasn't a first-round pick. He was a second-round pick who signed a two-way contract, and that means he's going to bounce between the NBA and the G League, and that's probably what should happen with somebody like that who's still 19 years old, still has a lot to learn, still has to get adjusted to life in the NBA, had a very, very rocky road in college. That's probably where his career needs to start so that he can play through his mistakes, so that he can have those growing pains that young players are going to have, but they're not going to affect the NBA team by him being out there on the court. And so that he can get consistent playing time and consistent minutes rather than sitting at the end of the bench and only getting um, his 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 own development behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the G League is an opportunity and it was created in part for guys like Imani Bates who just aren't ready physically and mentally for the NBA game, especially on the team that he got drafted to. He got drafted to the Cavs. He didn't get drafted to the Houston Rockets, right? The Cavs' expectations are to get to the playoffs and win a playoff series. So for them, like they don't have room For somebody like Imani Bates to learn on the fly on an NBA court in meaningful NBA games, whether it's October, January, March, um, he needs to play through his mistakes and he needs to start his career, the majority of his career in the G League, where he can develop his game properly and maybe possibly live up to the expectations that were once surrounding him. I don't know if it's going to happen. History is working against him. But that is the route that is going to be best for him. And I think that's the route that's going to be best for the Cavs. And he even talked about it a little bit, Hayden, throughout the course of um, summer camp before they left for Las Vegas. And once they got to Las Vegas, he doesn't feel the same amount of pressure that he felt in college. And it was suffocating for him. And he didn't handle it well. And he'll be the first one to admit that he didn't handle it well. So being out of the spotlight, you could tell that there was like a weight lifted off of him and he was having fun playing basketball and he was smiling. And part of that has to do with the fact that he was playing well in Vegas. Another part of that has to do with the fact that the Cavs were winning in Vegas, but I don't think based on what he showed um, at summer league, even though he performed well, even though he had good efficiency from three point line and from the field, I don't think it's a situation where the Cavs are like, oh my goodness, he was so good at Summer League, so now we're going to change our grand plan for Imani Bates. You just don't overreact to Summer League like that if you're an organization. You don't allow emotion to get involved with the decisions that you make as an organization. So he should be proud of the way that he played at Summer League. He looked comfortable. He looked like he was getting used to the NBA court, the NBA spacing. He looked like he was getting comfortable with the NBA three-point line. And I think it really, really helped him. Hayden, he didn't have to be the focal point on offense, right? The Cavs ran a lot of their offense through Isaiah Mobley, and they should have. They ran a lot of their offense for Sam Merrill, coming off of screens, putting the ball in his hands. Those were the experienced, mature guys Uh, that should have been the leaders of that summer league team. And they were the leaders of that summer league team. They were also the focal points on offense. Same thing with Sharif Cooper and Craig Porter Jr. So taking a step back in terms of his role and his responsibility on the offensive end, I think that helped Imani Bates too. He didn't have to go out there and shoot 20 times a game. He didn't have to go out there and initiate offense for everybody. He could be used similar to the way that he's probably going to be used as a rookie in the G League. He's going to be a catch-and-shoot guy. He's going to be the number two, three, or four option offensively, depending on a given night. Um, And he's just going to try to learn what it takes for his game to blend into the fabric of a team and be more of a role player than a star player. And I think that's a really, really good thing for somebody like Imani Bates. And I think that's part of the reason why you saw him thrive the way that he did um at summer league because he just didn't have to be the guy
0: yeah i think that's the, the point you make is a great one and that I, and i think that's why it was a perfect pick for the cavaliers because there's so little pressure on him right like right he can just explore and 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 learn and be be yep. a sponge and do different things and there's not all this pressure for him to be a star and the top player like there was at Eastern Michigan and elsewhere in college. So yeah, I think it's a really good situation. I think that's why exactly why you know I was so excited when the Cavaliers drafted him because Cleveland's situation was just that good.
1: Right, and if you think about the way that he played at summer league, like so much of his production, Hayden was tied to catch and shoots. It was teammates creating shots for him rather than him bringing the ball up the court, dribbling around for a bunch, and then just like trying to create his own shot. You know, there were times where he had poor shot selection. There were times that he early chucked jumpers um, before he probably should have based on what they were looking for offensively. But you're going to have those mistakes. You're going to have those growing pains. Mistakes comes with youth. Um, so I think for the most part, seeing him as a reliable, um, and capable catch and shoot threat was a really, really good sign because that's, if, if he's going to have a role for the Cavs either this year or down the road, it's going to be that it's going to be as like a catch and shoot specialist, Um, Every now and then, maybe come off of screens, play away from the ball that way, but really stand in the corner and wait for driving kicks from Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell. And if he can do that at an efficient level, if he can do that at a high clip the way that he did in Vegas, like that's going to be really, really beneficial for him. And that's going to allow him to find a way um, into a rotation eventually or into a starting lineup eventually.
0: There's a player, Chris, that I wanted to talk about yesterday uh, before we had our Wi-Fi issues, and uh, it's Sam Merrill. And yeah. the guy that made his way onto the roster last season, a guy that, you know, didn't play much, but there seems to be some intrigue there. Cleveland needs shooting, there is no doubt. Um yeah. <laughs> And Sam Merrill seems to be able to shoot it. I mean, he's that's kind of his game. It's been something that he's been showing off since he's, you know, become or been in the organization. So um, <laughs> is Sam Merrill a guy that... I mean, yes, probably back into the bench, 10 to 15. But, I mean, is he going to get a shot to show us he can shoot?
1: So this is the thing, Hayden. It's so funny because, um, you know, based on what the Cavs accomplished throughout the course of this offseason, and it was clear that they targeted shooting, bringing in Niang, bringing in Max Struess, bringing in Ty Jerome. um, It's not like this front office had some eureka moment during the NBA playoffs against the Knicks where it was like, oh, my God, three-pointers. Those are helpful. Let's go get more of those. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't like, oh boy, we just don't have enough three point shooting. We don't have enough spacing. And they needed to play against the Knicks in, in a playoff series where it was completely non-competitive for them to understand that. They've been trying to add shooting for years. And they just haven't been able to find the right fits, either in free agency or trades. When it comes to trades, maybe they haven't had enough. Maybe the value coming back to them and going out doesn't align, whatever the case may be. But you know this. We've talked about it on the podcast. I've written about it for Cleveland.com. They were in on Doug McDermott a couple of years ago. They were in on Furkan Korkmaz a couple of years ago. Um, at the trade deadline, they thought they had a deal for Royce O'Neal. Tim Hardaway Jr. has been on their radar. So they knew for a long time that they needed shooting and spacing, and they were just better equipped to go out and get that this offseason. But in saying that, if we backtrack a little bit before the off season, after they didn't make a trade at the deadline, they said to themselves, like, we still need shooting. How can we get more shooting? And they looked... um at all their options in free agency that were just like not on rosters at the time that the regular season was going on. And then they scoured the G league. And the conclusion that they came to was that the best option for them was Sam Merrill. So they gave him a 10 day contract and that turned into a standard NBA contract, a multi-year contract. They gave that to him because they thought he could bring something to the organization that was missing. And he can. And again, you're not going to get carried away with what somebody did at Summer League, but he was in the conversation for tournament MVP at Summer League. And the thing that he brings to the table, the shooting, the spacing, the gravity, the movement without the basketball, the Cavs need those things. There has been a lack of that for the last couple of years. And that kind of skill set translates to the NBA. That kind of skill set gets you into a rotation. Um, And I'm not saying that all of a sudden Sam Merrill is going to take a bunch of minutes from Max Struess or Karis LeVert or Donovan Mitchell or even Ty Jerome. Like He's near the bottom of the depth chart and he needs to climb it. But like, if you're in a situation where you need a shooter or if you're dealing with an injury to one of your shooters and you need that kind of skill set and Sam Merrill has the ability, I think, to help an NBA team in spot minutes because of his shooting. He is an elite shooter. He has been in college. He has been in the G League. He was at Summer League. And I think he can be in the NBA in the right kind of situation.
0: Was there anybody in Summer League that um, surprised you and, and or may be kind of under the radar and may have some sort of spot with this Cavaliers team be it you know end of the bench or maybe just a two-way contract or somebody that that's going to contribute in a way that maybe we didn't think
1: Hayden I think Isaiah Mobley is an NBA player okay um and and I don't know that a lot of people believed that when he entered the draft in 2022 I don't know that a lot of people believed that um when the Cavs drafted him with the 49th pick overall but like He was really productive in the G League. G League, NBA, very, very different. Completely understand that. But he was third team all G League. And like, he is more than just the older brother of Evan Mobley. He is more than a guy that the Cavs drafted to make Evan comfortable in his transition from college to the NBA he is more than a guy that is just here because of his last name. You know what I mean? Like he has shown that he showed that in the G league and he carried that play over into summer league. And I think, you know, the Cavs arguably have three guys on two way contracts, Isaiah Mobley, Amani Bates and Craig Porter jr. That if things break, right. All of them could be NBA players. They could be on standard NBA contracts at some point in their careers as a really, really good place to be. And that gives them more depth. That gives them more optionality. That gives them an opportunity to bring guys along slower because they're not going to force other guys out onto the floor. So I think Isaiah Mobley, I don't know what else the Cavs are going to do with their final roster spot. It's not technically the final roster spot. They've got two open roster spots, but the way that they are looking at it is we like to have one open roster spot going into the season, and we like that flexibility. Um, So I think they're looking at it as one open roster spot. Look, if they fill that with another big guy, like a capable big guy, for example, Christian Wood, then it's a little bit different for somebody like Isaiah Moldy. But if the Cavs fill that Final quote unquote final roster spot with somebody else with a different skill set at a different position, say Kelly Oubre Jr. Okay, then maybe Isaiah Mobley um, gets a longer look. Like the only person standing in front of him for consistent minutes when we're talking about like the third big, because he's not taking minutes from Jared Allen, he's not taking minutes from Evan Mobley. No, it's Damian Jones, a guy that the Cavs went out this offseason, and they brought in for a reason. They like him. He's going to be, they think, more productive than what Robin Lopez was. But like Damian Jones has never been a hit in the NBA. He's never been able to stick on one team. He's never been able to find consistent minutes. He's never been able to be a consistent rotational player. So like in some ways, that's very similar to Isaiah Mobley. And I just think like Isaiah Mobley's... One of the guys who is on a two-way contract who in the future could get that two-way converted to a regular NBA contract, similar to Lamar Stevens, similar to Dean Wade, like that kind of player. I think there's enough good in Isaiah Mobley's game. I think there's enough versatility in Isaiah Mobley's game that eventually he's going to find his way onto a standard NBA contract as opposed to a two-way contract. And I think he can be a productive third big in the league.
0: Chris, is there anything else as we kind of, you know, enter the uh, another kind of lull period here before September, October? Um, anything we should be looking out for? Anything the Cavaliers are up to? Um, otherwise, these guys are just working on their games, getting ready for, you know, the, the start of the season, which will be here soon enough, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. No, I just think it's keep everything in perspective um, from Summer League, right? It was really, really exciting. The Cavs played well. Isaiah Mobley was good. Amani Bates was good. Craig Porter Jr. was good. Sam Merrill was good. Sharif Cooper was good. In that environment, those guys were able to stand out. So they went there. They showed what they needed to see. They played the way that I think the organization wanted them to play. And if you're a fan, you're like, hey, guys that stand out in Summer League, that's better than them falling on their face. But – like the top eight, nine in this rotation are set and none of those guys played in Vegas, right? They were in Vegas. They were watching some of the games, but like JB Bickerstaff is a coach who has talked repeatedly about his comfort level going nine or 10 in a rotation. And if you start looking at the numbers, that means there isn't a spot for Amani Bates. That means there's not a spot for Craig Porter jr. Or even Isaiah Mobley from the get go. Um, If they perform well in the G League at the start of the season, um, if the Cavs are dealing with injuries at the beginning of the season, if somebody is underperforming at the beginning of the season, JB has shown flexibility that he's going to make changes. And what is at the beginning of the season isn't necessarily going to be in January or March or something like that. But the top eight, nine in this rotation are set. Darius Donovan, Max Struess, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Ricky Rubio, Karis LeVert, Isaac Okoro, George Niang, Dean Wades in that mix, Damian Jones is in that mix, Ty Jerome is going to get playing time as well. There's a reason why they signed him. So, many of the guys in the summer league and this is the way that it should be on a team that is coming off a playoff appearance. This is the way that it should be on a team that's coming off 51 win season and wants to take the next step in the Eastern Conference the guys that you send to summer league usually aren't the ones that allow you to get to that point. So just keep it in perspective as exciting as it was during the tournament, as it was going on um, the odds of any of those guys being big time contributors this year, with the exception of maybe Sam Merrill because he's on a standard NBA contract. um, I would say that it is unlikely, highly unlikely
0: Chris, do you have anything going on until the start of training camp? Are you? Um, are well, you we're still keeping our
1: eye, Hayden. We're still keeping our eye on on what they're going to do with that "quote unquote" final roster spot. Yeah. And I think this is interesting, right? Because we're in a situation now. It's late July. It's almost August. Many of the spots for teams, when it comes to filling out a roster, they're taken. Many of the money. Um, a lot of the money that was earmarked for certain guys throughout the course of free agency that's been taken as well, that's dried up and that's league wide. So the Cavs are in a situation with an open roster spot with a little bit of money to spend. They're, you know, very close to the luxury tax, but there's enough wiggle room where they can make another signing for around the minimum. Um, So they're in a situation, it seems like, based on the way that things have gone in free agency, that they could get somebody on a bargain deal, like a one-year prove-it deal. Somebody who, at the start of free agency, we, the collective we, did not think was going to take that kind of deal. We were thinking, and they were thinking, mid-level exception. Chunk of the mid-level exception. But at this point in the off-season somebody who thought they were going to get paid a little bit better might have to settle for what is looked at as a bad deal so they can try and um, revive their value in a situation that would be beneficial for them to do that. And for the Cavs, that's an interesting place to be because really, for them, because their rotation is mostly set, because they feel really, really good about what they accomplished in free agency, the next signing is a luxury pick. But they could get somebody better than what you would think with a minimum contract. They could get somebody better than what you would think with guy, you know, 17 on the roster if you include the two ways. And that that makes it a little bit more interesting when it comes to
0: this potential signing for the Cavs. I mean, could that? Ha- I mean, we, we saw the Donovan Mitchell trade on September first. I mean, could that happen way closer to the off se- or to the start of the season? It could.
1: I mean, I think some of these guys are obviously holding out hope that something is going to happen that they're going to be able to find more money out there than what it appears is actually available. Um, so, like, if we just think about like available guys, this is July twenty second when we're recording this. Yep. Um, Some of these guys you would not think would still be without a team. Kelly O'Bray Jr. I mean, that's a guy who averaged 20 points per game for Charlotte. Very, very up and down. um, Has never been a part of a winning organization. Uh, There are some personality things that you have to deal with. But like that's a starter quality wing that is still up, 27 years old. You know what I mean? Like, he thought he was going to get something close to the mid-level exception, around $12 million a year, something along those lines. He's still available. Christian Wood of the Dallas Mavericks, he's still available. Will Barton, like, those guys can help teams in the right situation. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, Terrence Davis of the Sacramento Kings, George Hill, our old friend, George Hill. Yep. Um, Bismack Biyombo is still available. There's still no certainty on what's going to happen with PJ Washington, who's a restricted free agent for the Charlotte Hornets. What if things don't go well with those talks? Can the Cavs get involved with that in a sign and trade? Um, so, so I just think some of these guys maybe are holding out hope that, that something else is going to happen that's going to allow them to cash in a little bit more. Um, so I, I don't think the Cavs are in any hurry. I don't know that any of these players in free agency are in any hurry, but but I think some of the names that are still out there um are, are better than what is usually out there at this time of year after the first couple of waves of free agency have already hit.
0: Right. All right. Well, we will keep our eyes peeled for that, obviously. And, um, you know, like I said, we still got a little bit of ways till we got about yeah. two minutes or so till the starting training camp. So plenty of time. But until then, plenty of time to get your Wi Fi fixed. Although it <laughs> worked today, it did work today, which was it awesome. hung in there so, really, really well. Yeah. Today. So maybe, maybe it's uh, maybe it's the Teams app. Maybe we need to keep just keep doing it on Zoom. I think that would work better. And it sound I think it sounds better too. Probably. And yeah. I
1: think it also helps that, you know,
0: squirrels haven't
1: chewed on these wires the new wires that Good. the technician was able to install
0: perfect 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 well thank you chris for joining us and thank you everybody for joining us on this edition of the and gold talk podcast go to cleveland.com slash cast for all of chris's coverage and sign up for chris's subtext three ninety nine dollars a month 14 day free trial all you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs, click the blue banner at the top of the page enter your phone number you'll get a 14 day free trial of three ninety nine dollars a month after that all kinds of insight analysis and news and straight to your subtext before anywhere else. So if the Cavs artists fill uh, uh, that last roster spot with maybe like a guy like Kelly O'Brey jr. It will be sent right to your phone before it goes anywhere else. So definitely sign up for that six, uh excuse me, three a month, 14 day free trial, com slash Cavs. Chris, thank you for joining us. Everybody. Thank you for joining us. Have a beautiful weekend and we will talk to you soon on the wine and gold talk podcast. Take care.